Roxo Media House. Hello, Frog fans. Welcome to Post Game Beers Podcast. We are the Lupton Drinking Club, bringing you a recap of the Frogs weekend in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm your host, Kyle Malloy at Yellen K, joined by my co-host, Jacob Sailors at JD Sailors. Jacob, we had a uh, free weekend, uh, no mm-hmm. games to attend. So did you use it for uh, rest and recovery or did you get some things done? I, I did both, actually. Um, right. As you can see, I got my hair cut today, which is really exciting for me. You look was, fantastic. It was driving me crazy, man. It was getting so damn long. I also went to the golf range today and, you know, it's fun to send them down, you know, hit flush a few. I think so. I could have used that after the games, which we'll get into, but no uh, kidding, man. How you doing? I'm, I'm fine. We had a, we had a great weekend. Uh, got back from our trip on Thursday and actually had a long weekend to kind of to recover from spring break and, and get ready for the, oh, for yeah. the week to come. Yeah. So um, also joined as always crazy rate Cartwright is here. The Sultan of Stat, Martin Guerrero. We've got Garrett Evans, and we have a special guest tonight to help us break down kind of a disappointing week for Frogball USA. Matt Perk. Matt, welcome back to the show. You are the first uh, returning guest on Post Game Beers. I feel feel honored, honored to be here. I know that uh, we're going to solve all of TCU baseball's problems right here in the next hour and a half or so. So I'm well, looking n- forward to to a record breaking win streak to end the season. None of us know anything, so that's why we need to have you on tonight because we're we're confused. <laughs> so, as we'll get into, we appreciate all of y'all's questions. We at we said yes, we're definitely gonna get a pod after the game. Um, light us up, and you you guys did. So we're gonna start with Throwback Frog, our friend at Throwback Frog. The question was: We played a baseball game, and uh, unfortunately, Throwback Frog, the answer is yes. Yes, we did. We played a couple. Um, Solid Friday night showing for the Frogs. Uh, they they beat the Sooners 13 to 5. I would say it's probably one of the easier games of the season, kind of being able to sit back and watch them, you know, take control. And I think all of us felt pretty good um for the rest of the weekend because they had started off so strong, you know, from an offensive standpoint. Uh Ryan Vanderhey looked great, you know, went five innings strong. Um, any any big thoughts from Friday night, guys? I mean, they handled business, right? They were the team that we expect to see. I think it was the team that they expect from themselves. Um, But as far as the details goes, I mean, we can go in a lot of different directions there. But overall, they just handled business. And it was really refreshing to see coming off that Tuesday night loss in San Marcos. And, you know, the frustrating games even before that. So. I was pleased Friday night. Very pleased. Quick thought on that is uh, Ryan Vanderheide rebounded very well. Yeah. Looked good uh, and battled too. You know, a couple, he didn't have his best stuff. Uh, A couple of leadoff walks or a leadoff hit. He was able to get out of it. Didn't get rattled. Continued to battle. Got out of it. He looked good. Yeah. We spread the hits all up and down the lineup. Logan Maxwell had a huge night, which, you know, we've been looking for some more offensive output from that position. And, he provided it. Braden Taylor, he hit a home run. Carson Bowen hit a home run. A lot of great things from that game. Dude, yeah. Cole Fontenelle, Eight. three doubles. Awesome. Yeah, Logan, awesome. Carson, Cole, um, definitely you know big nights. Eight of the 13 runs were scored with two outs. Um, I think if you were going to look at anything, you know, even with 15 hits, the one thing concerning us from Friday night and then kind of led, bled into the rest of the weekend was just that you know some of our, our more senior guys, Eli and Curtis, collectively went one for 10 mm-hmm. uh, Bishop. He did have three walks. So that was positive. He's getting more patient at the plate, but didn't, but what was hitless for the night. So, yep. you know, I think we're seeing a lot of production from guys that we weren't expecting um, outside of Braden Taylor. Yeah. You said it. Um, I don't know. Let's, let's not focus too much on the good. Let's let's get negative. <laughs> so Saturday, yeah. um, pretty much the opposite from an offensive standpoint. Uh, it was just a slow, uh, I don't want to say slow, but really low scoring, uh, affair Sooners won three to nothing. Uh, they, you know, Cole Klecker actually was doing really well, uh, went four clean innings and in the fifth, he gave up a, t- a two run triple and that would, that would have been enough to, to win the game. Um, extremely frustrating moment. I think all of us remember in the top of the seventh, the frogs had, 
uh, runners on base. They were it, it was loaded with one out. Bishop was up, and he hits into a tailor made double play, ending that threat. And we kind of thought that was the time for them to either tie the game or or at least take the lead. Uh, and and that was it. I mean, it was just a really frustrating uh, game. This game to me, MK, was more frustrating than today's game, just because I. <laughs> The guy that OU had up there pitching, it didn't look to me like he was unbeatable. I mean, it looked like we took the absolute wrong approach that you want to take against a pitcher like that. It looked like he was trying to get us to chase everything outside the zone, and we went up there with, like, first pitch attack, and now we're behind in the count. Now it's like, all right, well, let's battle back. All right, let's swing at this next one. Now we're now it's 0-2. And, and then it's like, all right, we just got to put some in play. And they had, what, like 18 ground ball outs in this game, something insane like that? And it just looked like walks were there all day. If we would have just been a little more patient, they did the complete opposite. And okay, if that if it's that way the first time through the order and then the second time, how do you not adjust the third time through? How does David Bishop take a 2-0 fastball and hit into a freaking double play to basically end the game? That's right. The walks were was, there all day. I forgot it was 2-0 count. Yeah. Dude, how many in that game? How many 2-0, 2-1 counts did you see him just roll over in a weak ground ball to either second or shortstop? It was just maddening. Um, Matt, let's go to you here because we're watching this and, you know, we are just mere cavemen, just beer drinking fans watching the game. Where are we wrong here? What What was going on at the plate? No, I think you got pretty spot on. I mean, I think what you saw was a lot of guys trying to expand the zone um, and they were just being too anxious and they're trying to force the issue, which is surprising coming off Friday night where it looked like everything kind of clicked. It came back together. So typically in the game after that, you wouldn't see guys pressing that much, but it looked like a lot of guys are just pressing at the plate because they're trying to find you know, a rhythm or they're trying to find that balance that they're trying to do. But yeah, all day it was just, oh, I'm going to try to, you know, the guy's just laying balls out there, two balls off the plate and everyone's trying to see, trying to see they're taking swings like it's center cut. And it's like, you just keep rolling over and rolling over and you're giving guys easy outs. And I mean, that guy definitely did not like, they made him look like he was a, a quality starter but like stuff wise, you know, that's not a guy that scares you when you when you go against him. And so, you know, it's unfortunate that they decided to back up Friday night's game with that kind of performance. But it just looks like they're pressing at the plate that they're just all of them are trying to win every game on every swing versus just trying to move it to the next guy and move it to the next guy and then allow that to happen. And then also the double plays. I don't know how many I've seen this year. And it's been uh, a million of yeah. innings where they've had opportunities to score runs and it seems to always find a ground ball double play and that's just unfortunate i have no problem with bishop swinging at a 2-0 fastball but you gotta do more with it than hit it to the dang shortstop to just kill the game i mean that thing was there for the taking right there i mean we we were starting to draw walks i'm like i was texting the group the walks are there just take them and we were starting to do that until we did it And I know, you know, like as a fan, we watch the same, you know, it's the TCU logo year in and year out. But players, you know, players overturn and now coaches have overturned. But you think about frog teams in the past where they would have no problem sitting up there all day and drawing 16 walks in a game if you're going to give them to them. So that's why, to me, this one was so frustrating because it's it's just so outside the identity of what we've seen in the past. But I guess that's to be expected with new players, new coaches. It's just, it's not working. <laughs> and I don't have any answers for it. Yeah, you look at the OU team, you look at the team across the field in that OU team, and that looks like TCU's offense of old. Yeah. I mean, they're up there taking a million foul balls, driving up pitch counts, yep. taking walks. Oh, it was, it was so honestly annoying. That must what it be, that must what it be like to face TCU. Well, past. and you saw it like it, it forced Cam out of the game early today. It for it, Klecker's pitch count got yeah. up. I mean, Friday was just Friday was the anomaly. That's why I wanted to get past that game quick. But yeah, I mean, we had to get into our bullpen pretty early in the games because of that reason, Ray. <clears throat> so from a pitcher's perspective, Matt, you know, you've got Klecker up there who actually had a decent day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he gave us a decent start. Is that how frustrating is that? I guess to to watch your team just not really give you any help at all. I would say it is frustrating, but you understand that that's kind of how a season can go. You're going to have a lot of days where, you know, you're doing your job and unfortunately offense can't pick it up, but then you're also going to have the reverse of that 
um, you know, where you're getting your, you know, you're giving up lace balls all over the yard and, but the guys are seeing able to score runs and stuff like that. So it's really can be frustrating to kind of do that, but you understand like you just have to do your job and that's Mm -hmm. the only thing that you can do. And I, I think for Cole, you know, what we're seeing is, is he's starting to find a rhythm. He's, he's, you know, every good season that TCU's ever had, um, that I can remember the Saturday starter is the linchpin. Because if you think about it and you break it down to a very, very simple level, the Saturday guy has to be your most dependable arm because that's the either the way you're going to win a series or you're going to stay in a series. And so to have somebody that you can almost depend on and what he's kind of showing is that dependability of like, hey, I'm going to give you five innings probably. I might give you six. And it's going to be, you know, I'm going to keep it as close as I possibly can. That gives you confidence going into a weekend knowing that like we can blow it out on Friday night because we've got a good chance of having something. But for him specifically in this game, he's got to put guys away. Yeah. Like that game that that he's got to put them away. And that comes with time. I mean, he's a freshman. He's he's trying to figure it out and obviously I know he's trying to do that. But like that game, he could have gone so much further in that game if he's willing to put guys away and and uh and that one could have, you know, could have been a different outcome. Yeah, um for sure. He he had four strikeouts and I'm willing to bet without looking it up. That was his uh season high for a start. But that just kind of backs up your point. You know, he's he's not walking anybody. Um, he had two walks in this game, which I think is also a season. I think he had like zero coming in the last Saturday and he walked one. Right. But I think I think he has three on the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. But just the inability to get swings and misses sometimes can catch up to you. I mean, there's not really much to complain about with Cole. I mean, even he got help from Ben a belt. But my question for you in this game specific, Matt. What do you, I know Garrett Wright is coming off injury. He hasn't pitched much, but what did you see Saturday from him? Good and bad. So the thing with Garrett is, is just it, it, you can see the talent, right? You watch him pitch. You can see his talent. You know that it's, it's capable because you can go back to these games that he's had in the last couple of years where it's like bing, bang, boom, innings over, you know, strikeouts are there, everything like that. And so for him, it's, it's just kind of like you would hope by now him being his third year with the team that the consistency would be there the whole time. Yeah. If that makes sense. And that's the hardest part to watch. And that's the hardest part of the coach is, is when you know that a guy can be a certain level, but you don't get that guy all the time, you know, and that's why you hear all the time about guys that do give you that they're always champion. you know, you hear them all the time, like the Halen greens, um, you know, the uh, Chuck Kings, like all that stuff, you know, exactly what you're going to get from those guys when they walk out of that bullpen. And unfortunately for Garrett, it's still, you know, sometimes a question mark and you're, you're, you know, your odds are, you're hoping that your odds are greater than, than, than not. But, you know, that's the part for me is just watching him. It's just like, I want to be able to know without a shadow of a doubt, if you hand the ball to him, the inning's done, you know, and that should be it. And that's, and that's just, you know, unfortunate. And I mean, and, and the worst part about it is he's not the only one right now that you can't, you know, that that's, and that's the, the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now is just that, you know, it was evident today, you know, that sixth and ninth inning, that's where your strength has to be, you know, as a team. And, and yeah. unfortunately there's doing, there's a lot of searching right now for that. Um, a question from it's always sunny in Fort Worth at GMFP says, I love our starting pitchers. Um, do you think our bullpen guys need more, need more defined roles? Why? And then he talked about the offense too, but I thought that was kind of a good, um, you know, continuation of that discussion because the starting pitching and we're going to talk about game three with cam has been fantastic. You get it this. Really you, you get you get guys that come in, and, and I feel like uh, you know Ben Abelt and and um, was it Cohen Feaser and you know Lewis Rodriguez. They have their highs, yeah. But for whatever reason, you look back and every every time you look at their their stats, they're giving up one or two runs, and you can't do that. Um, I want to read this. You know, when when Garrett came in in the bottom of the eighth of that game, got a ground out to start. So we're like, hey, all right, good start for Garrett. Gives up a walk. Uh, that guy uh, advances to second on a wild pitch, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, uh, another walk uh, advanced to third on a wild pitch, and then he gets pulled. You know, so it, it, that's a very that's a, that that's like a stereotypical negative Garrett Wright outing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. hey, he he starts off strong, and all of a sudden it just goes downhill. Yeah, you're never going to see guys like light him up, you know, like square him up and drill him in the gaps. But he's his own worst enemy in a lot of these bad outings. It's frustrating. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, okay, next question I have for you on this game, Matt, is 
Mason Speaker has been getting a lot of run, and we thought maybe early in the season he was kind of mop-up duty guy, but it seems like he's getting some critical innings. Like, what do you see in his development? So it's interesting with Mason, obviously, uh, you know, he came to TCU as a pitcher. Um, and that was, that, that was what he did. And then obviously when he got here, position player, you know, he was a position player and he did different things, just kind of filling in, um, you know, to see it kind of come full circle for him is, um, you know, definitely interesting. Uh, but you know, at this point you got to put out the people that are getting out, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're past the point of like trying to like give some guys some rope or give some guys like some lead time of like, all right, let them get us settled, all that kind of stuff. You got to put people out there that get out. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's that's the the basically we're in conference play now. Like there's no more like, hey, you know, let's let him, you know, settle in. Like, no, if he can't get out, he can't be in the game. We can't trust him. And so, you know, for Mason, it's like and this calls for any pitcher. I can tell you right now, especially with those guys, like anyone that can consistently over the next couple of weeks put together outs, they're going to keep pitching. Like that's just the nature of of this season and the nature of this game, especially when it comes to college baseball. You are going to pitch as long as you're getting out. So for him, I mean, it's just a basically like if he keeps it that simple, you're going to see him pitch more and more, and and you're going to see guys that have a lot more talent than him that aren't going to pitch. Oh, and, and so um, I think that's the kind of the place that we're at of of we have to be okay with, especially as fans, like the guys that are pitching are the guys that they think can get out. And that, you know, and it may, we may not agree, but that's just the way it is, because at the end yeah. of the day, if, you know, we need the outs. And I'm starting, you know, personally just watching him, I'm starting to gain more and more confidence in him. Like I thought Tuesday night in San Marcos, he he looked pretty good with a lot of his pitches. I liked where he was spotting the ball. I mean, he let a like two out two strike pitch get away from him for a home run there. And it's like that kind of taints the whole appearance. But if you just separate that, which I know you really can't do, it's like, all right, I see it. I see why Kirk is giving him these innings because it's there. It's just, can he really put it all together and be consistent? And that's just, I guess, remains to be seen because he is so new to that role, you know, in his TCU career. Do I have yeah. a question about today's game and kind of bullpen management. <laughs> so thereafter, Luis Rodriguez, uh, you know, starting to waver a little bit, um, and then they go to Ben a, a belt again, second straight day. Why not go to Luke Savage there in that situation? I it just kind of baffled me. How did, if he was we, available? So you, yeah, do you so, know so, for sure he was healthy? So yeah, that's the thing. Well, Real quick, he came in and pitched right after Ben. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, you're right. Yeah, he you're he right. pitched today, which and that's when Ray sent the text of like, why number one, why didn't he pitch yesterday? Um, number two, if he was healthy today, why was he not maybe the first reliever after Cam, who actually just to you know break down the, the, quickly the game today, Frogs go up early, three to nothing. Oklahoma punches back. They kind of go back and forth and unfortunately lose the game uh, seven to five with some you know giving up some runs at the end with Lewis and, and and Ben. But at that point, you bring in Luke with and you're down seven to five, and you're like, you know, Ray said it best is like, where did where was he? You know, where was he before this? Yeah, I missed the last inning, so my apologies there. Yeah, I didn't know he came in to pitch. And to build off of that, so I was kind of frustrated whenever Kirk brought in Lewis. You have a friend. Now, granted, he's been really good this year, but he's a freshman. You bring him in, bases loaded, with a 2-0 count. Yeah. I mean, if you want to bring him in with the bases loaded situation, start him off with a fresh account. You know, it's just it's such a tough position to put a freshman in. Yeah, and if you're going to go that route, just let Cam have the hitter. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, I don't know. Like, you you were cool with Cam starting the hitter. He gets down 2-0, and now suddenly you're not. I don't know. It just seemed like a panic a little bit. Like, maybe Cam comes, like, you were confident in him to start the hitter. So what if he goes down 2-0? You should still be confident in him coming back to get the out. That's my opinion, but, you know, what the hell do I know? Matt, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely a tricky situation. I mean, that's the the hardest thing to do as a coach is, is be able to pick the spots of when to bring guys in and when to take them out. Um, you know, for Cam, it's one of those things where honestly, you know, with the way he pitches, he really only has to win one pitch per at bat to get an out. You know, there's a lot of guys that have to get more than one to get a good result. Cam can get it on one pitch and it can yeah. come 2-0, 3-1, you know, 0-2, it doesn't matter. You know, so it, it's, it's a tough spot. And I think, you know, with the way that Louis pitched, you, you, what you want in that situation, if you're going to bring a guy in, is you want a guy that's going to throw strikes. 
obviously, because it's coming into a two account. You know, there's yeah. not a whole lot to play with. And so what I think the situation with that is, is you're just trying to force action. You're trying not to give something free away. You're trying to force action and take your chances. You know what I mean? And that's the one thing right. that, you know, that I always harped on with the guys like, listen, you know, your job as a pitcher is every single pitch, you have to force a decision, either the decision to swing or the decision to take. You can't give them free ones. You can't give auto takes. And that's the hardest thing. So I think in that situation, you're bringing Louie in to like force a decision and force some type of action, you know, and it, it, it's one of those things. But I can see what you're saying as far as like, well, Cam started the bat. Why not let him finish it? But it's the hardest. I would tell you that's the hardest thing to do is, yeah. is know when to pull those strings. So so did he lose confidence in Cam after two pitches? I mean, how does that work? I don't think he lost confidence in him. I think it just it was towards you. you can, you know, you start to see when guys start to teeter off, you know, you start to see when their gas starts to end, the tank starts to empty and stuff like that. And I think, you know, it, it's one of those ones where, and this is, you know, and Cam knows this and, and, and I know this is watching him. There's always one inning in every Cam Brown start where the team has an opportunity to score runs. But outside of that one inning, you really don't see a ton. You know, right. you rarely see a start from Cam where it's runs after runs after runs. It's always one inning. And sometimes it's really early in the game. Um, you know, I know for, you know, being, you know, watching stuff like that, like this was the inning that they had the chance to score. And, and so you're, you're like, okay, well, we've gotten to this point. You know, he's given us as much as he has. Do we take the risk for this to be the inning where it blows up? Or do I bring somebody else in and see if I can't get these outs? Um, so I think that's the kind of the move there, not really losing confidence in Cam. It's just, you know, if you watch his career, it's there's always one scoreable inning. And then outside of that, there's a lot of zeros. Um, and that just happened to be this one. So I think that was more the move. Now yeah. we'll say to Kirk's credit, uh, Lewis did come in, got a ground ball to second. Unfortunately, they weren't able to turn a double play. And then the next at bat, you know, hard ground ball that went past Bite, uh, that brought in a, the tying run and tied the game. But it's still, it just felt a little weird putting him in that position. Yeah, it's a tough position. I mean, I, I didn't like the decision, but that doesn't matter much. Um, let's, there's, probably, there's probably a reason we're not the head coach. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, I think if you I think if you look at it, if if because the one thing that I've noticed with Luke this year is that a lot of his innings start off kind of rocky. That there's been some ones where it's kind of like not just like strike one right away. I think if, if Luke had been in a better situation where that consistency is there, you might have seen Luke in that situation because you definitely, in that particular yeah. one, you really want some swing and misses. You know, you get the first ground ball and you don't get the double play, that that happens. But that second guy, you really want to have somebody that's going to get some swings and misses. Um, you know, and so I think if you would have seen more of that where Luke's coming out of the bullpen and it's just strike one, strike two, strike three, that kind of stuff, you probably would have seen him in that spot. But since <laughs> he's kind of had those ones where, you know, just – it doesn't, you know, it's not quite clicking right away. That's where I think that the the why we didn't see him come into that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kirk, now I sure. do have a I do have a question that you know that used to be a spot where you'd see River come in. What's happened with River this year? You you hardly ever see him, and then if you do, it's for one or two batters. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing with River is is what we've kind of seen with his trajectory from his freshman year to now is that. I don't know if 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 he's got enough to put together multiple outs in a row. You know, the it, the longer stints I think are past him. I think now it's got to be very short stints and very specific ones. Um, you know, so typically, like I said, you, you see freshman year River. River's coming into that situation, like you said, Ray. He's coming in and he's getting the rest of the inning. And he's probably starting the next inning. Um, but I think now you're just seeing these guys, especially some of the ones on the back end, that you can't get that kind of value from them long term. Um, so you really have to kind of pick the spots that they show up in. And I mean, it is Sunday, so it really doesn't play into it, but you're not trying to just burn through three guys in like an inning and a half, you know, cause you don't know where the game is going to go, especially with it being that close. Man, it sure didn't feel like Oklahoma was concerned about that at all this weekend. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, the only other thing I could say about Luke um, pitching when he did like, yeah, bringing him into a bases loaded situation probably isn't the best for Luke. And I think he's probably on a pitch restriction coming off injury. Mm -hmm. So Kirk probably wanted him to have the ninth with nobody on with a lead. And that's why we didn't see him until so late. Can I and clarify? Of course, that didn't work out, but. Hmm? 
can I clarify? I'm okay with you know the Lewis Rodriguez because that that worked right. But kind I'm of. more talking about whenever Lewis was starting to falter or whatever, bringing Luke in to that situation instead of Ben Abelt, who you just ran out there the day before. Yeah, but how many pitches did he throw the other day? Yesterday. Before? He threw 35 pitches. I mean, I don't really know what their limits are, but it wasn't like he was used for, you know, multiple innings. I think he was fine. Like, he's probably just in there to, what, get an out, two outs? So that's fine. I mean, Ray, like who else do you trust more than him right now? Like he's been like the n- number one go-to guy out of the bullpen. Well, I'd like to say Luke. Yeah. Okay. If, but if he was at the beginning of the year, your number one option out of the pen in a fresh inning, for sure. This is the first outing for Lewis that I've, you know, I feel like it, it hasn't gone as well as, as planned. He's, he's yeah. had a great year so far. No, when I saw that cam was out and Lewis was in, I'm like, Oh yeah, good move. I like this. So, um, not really a question, but we did have a comment from at G Garoon or Jeroon. Uh, one stat from today that summarizes this team gave up seven runs, but only three of those were earned all season long. You don't win games with flawed fundamentals. This is not a good fundamental team. So it's interesting because they didn't have any errors on Friday or Saturday. So I thought that was, you know, we've, we've seen errors in almost every game this year. They have a, they have a strong start at least, you know, for the first two games. And then today was just kind of weird. Um, specifically, there was a I'm trying to remember what inning it was when the bases were loaded um, and a ground ball gets hit to Trey uh, and just takes the weirdest hop off of that stupid turf. Turf um, sucks. The bottom of the seventh, you know, they, they were about to be out of the inning because they had two outs. He boots it right into right field. They score two runs. And then, I mean, that was the, that was the game. Right there. Yeah. That must've been during the late OU comeback. Right. Cause I missed that part. I, yeah, I told you guys I was busy, wasn't able to watch. And I was pissed when I looked at my phone and saw we, we were behind. They were about to end the inning. And, two uh, of those errors were pretty kind of harsh today. Lee given like that's a tough play for Trey to make. So that's harsh to give him an error on that especially the bounce it takes. And then there was an error given to Cole Fontenelle at first where he's happened to range against, not against his glove side on a low uh, kind of smashed ground ball, kind of sh- right off the ground liner. Um, and it, get, it kind of squirts by him. That's kind of tough. I don't really yeah. put that one on Cole. See, I, I like to judge it more by like, is it a routine play that I expect you to make? Or because sometimes, like you said, they give errors out, but that doesn't really tell the story for me because we've talked about it. How many times did they not get charged for an error, but it was a play they should have damn made, you know? Yeah, like on Tuesday, a ball gets hung up a little bit lost in the lights and lands perfectly in between Logan and Eli. Yeah. We dropped three pop-ups on Tuesday and none of them went for errors. So that's a perfect example. I don't know guys. Um, All right. So transitioning from pitching, um, we can continue down the, uh, the, the negativity trail with, with the offensive side. Uh, we've mentioned a few things already, but, um, well, let's hit- start, hold on, hold on. Let's start at the top here before we even have any results. What did you guys think of the lineup changes? Let's start there. Which lineup? Because there seemed to be Sunday. three different lineups. I know, I know, uh, I know. But for Sunday, today's lineup, Sunday. I thought that was yeah. the best lineup, like lineup construction they've had all year. Right, I agree. So I just want to make that point that we all agree that we love the lineup, regardless of what what the outcome was. I think this is definitely the best approach. Like I loved moving Eli down while he tries to work through his slump because he he was just killing us in that lead off two hole spot. So let him hit ninth and figure his stuff out. And then when he turns returns to Eli Bold, maybe we move him up. But hitting ninth today, I'm like, yeah, I love that. I love Logan Maxwell back in the lineup. Carson Bowen hitting fourth. Love that. And he was great today, by the way. I uh, Silva back in the lineup. Great. I, I had no complaints. None. Like this should be the lineup that performs the best. All right. So on that point, Jacob, if we think this this is the lineup that we should continue um, we had a question, which I think all of us are thinking about from William okay. Dixon. He says, do you think the constant changing of the batting order and our new offensive approach is the reason behind the inconsistent at-bats? Well, what consistency we, did we have? I mean, when? When did we have consistency? We, have we haven't. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, guys just uh, need to start hitting the ball. Against Vandy and Arkansas, it looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 
That feels like forever no, like, ago. I'm not going to give them an out because, oh, I, I was hitting fourth yesterday. Now I'm hitting seventh. That's going to mess with my head. I'm not going to give them that. Hit the damn ball. Now, what about the approach that they're taking and then the changes that have been made? Oh, you know, when you get to the year? nuances of it all, like that's for like TJ Bruce to explain. There's no way we're going to have enough knowledge from our point of view on, you know, what these guys are told to do and if they're applying it or not, or if they're executing or is the approach wrong? We don't know. I hear you, Jacob. But at the same time, just like Ray said, he made this point earlier in the podcast. They, you, they, they, TC has always been a patient team. Yes, They've yes, always so been a patient team. And let I don't me know clarify. If, and, Saturday and, 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 was evident. Saturday was evident. Okay. Yeah. I'm not Saturday. We can look at that and say the, the approach sucked, but as for like the season as a whole, it's really hard to know. Yeah. Um, but a, Carson you know, Bowen was good. Yeah. <laughs> Carson <laughs> Bowen was awesome. Um, home run. He had a, he had a, a couple singles today. He got that I clutch mean, two out hit with a couple yes. guys on that should have won us the game. He looks so. He looks so yeah. calm at the plate. Um, he do, you know does not seem like a freshman. So I guess question about Carson is: Has he taken over uh, starting spot for, for in, in the catcher role? Hundred percent. I, I don't think there's. I any think he guy. has to. Uh, I mean, Kurt, um, Burn was in Friday, right? Uh, as a DH. As a went, DH. Unfortunately, went zero for six. Zero uh, for six. There you go. So there's your answer. Yeah. I did hear there was some good chirps from the crowd about Curtis every time he came to the plate. They're like, hey, do you know Owen? Owen 4? Uh, oh, man. It was tough. <laughs> oh, it man. was tough. Like Those it. were tough ones That's to swallow. Brutal. Yeah. But um, um, I think I think what you're seeing is like with Carson is like you got to reward with a hot hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he earns it, – it, it's the same thing when it goes to pitching. If the guy's getting hit, you can't take him out of the lineup. You know what I mean? And and, and they're not at a place in the season where there's just so many – like you know, every, everyone's doing so well. It's like, no. If you're hitting, you got to play, um, you know, and that's just the, the nature of the beast is that, you know, we're we're at a point now, especially with it being this way, is that anyone that is performing has to play back to back. If you get two hits one game, you are going to get the next game. If you go over four, you might not see the field the next game. But that's just the way it is right now, because, you know, we can't take the chance of letting this week lead, you know, bleed into next week and the next yeah. week. And then you look up and you've got three wins in conference. Yeah. Yeah. So. Here's my question, Matt. Um, you were around the program last year. What do you think is the message immediately following the game? And then what is the routine and the approach starting with like tomorrow morning and then going into the Tuesday game? Like what's the attitude? What is Kirk saying? You know, how what's the behind the scenes look like after a weekend like this? I think you look at the weekend – um, as a whole, and you know the kind of the 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 approach that you take with the team is that guys, we're hurting ourselves. You know, we didn't get beat this weekend; we beat ourselves. You know what I mean? And that's a hard that's a hard thing to you know to be able to take in. You know if that makes sense? Um, yeah, because absolutely. It's it's one of those things, but like that's kind of what happened. I mean, is you 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 swung your way out of a game on Saturday. Yep. Um, and then today you played your game, you played your way out of a game, out of a win. Um, so I think that's the kind of the message coming is like, guys, we beat ourselves. We got to stop beating ourselves. And that, and, and so, but then as you transition into this next week, it's about how can we create some positive momentum? Um, you know, tomorrow's going to be an off day. Like they're going to have the off day. They got to get recoup, whatever. But it's like when we come back on Tuesday, how can we take the first inning and make something positive happen in the first compound it in the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and then have a good game. And then that lead us into the next weekend, you know, because as it stands right now, like this is a very, you know, even with it being the first couple of weeks in conference play, this is a super critical stretch uh, yeah. when it comes to this season, because you have Kansas coming in and I will not say what I, what I am. I do believe in jinxes. So, and I am superstitious. So I will not say I said that they need to execute at the level they're expected to, um, because if you don't and you go into Lubbock at a disadvantaged situation, you might not get the results you want because that's a very hard place to win. Um, you know, so I think that kind of approach this week is like, how do we make sure that Tuesday we do the things that we know we're supposed to do on Tuesday, that that leads to Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we have our momentum take over because that's what they're looking for is they're just looking for days to, to, to come together and not just be so hit or miss to where it's like we look great today and then we look bad the next day. Like we need to find consistency and then allow that to carry us. 
Boy, and that's what's so maddening right there, right? Is you know it's there. You know what they're capable of. They've shown it. They've shown it against the best in the country. They showed it this weekend. And then they just decide, no, we're not going to be good at baseball today. We'll wait. We'll do it next week. And it's just, you know, it's driving all of us insane. And and you can tell from our Twitter mentions right now that we're not alone here. And I th- it's got to be driving them insane, the players insane too, right? And the coaches. I mean, like how, what is their body language like? Like, did you see anything on the field that was concerning as far as energy, body language or anything like that? Are they frustrated? You know, what are some observations you have? I just see like the kind of plays from Saturday. Like I just see a bunch of guys pressing. You know, you're, you're seeing a lot of guys that are trying to win a game in the first inning of a, you know, the first AB of the game. They're trying to win it. And it's like, that's not how you're going to get success. You know, everyone's trying to hit a homer and make a difference. And it's like, that's not what's going to make this team work. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like this team, when it comes to just a pure, pure raw power standpoint, it's not the best. You know what I mean? It's really not the best. And so relying on that is not a good thing. And realistically, um, you know, TCU has never historically relied on the long ball. It's always been next man, pass it on to the next guy, pass it on to the next guy, string together hits, those kind of things. And so I think for them, you know, just watching them as you just see guys pressing because they're, they don't know why they're in the funk that they're in. You know what I mean? And, and that's a hard place to be. And it's a hard place to coach guys out of because, you know, physically they've got the tools, but if you can't do it, with the six inches between your ears, it's not going to show up. Boy, and how frustrating must must it be to, uh, as you said, go up there and try to win the game in the first inning, and then you see three weak ground balls to second base. <laughs> like, yes. Here's my very, best attempt to win the game right now. Yeah, very I, I do want to clarify, if Braden Taylor wants to continue hitting home runs every game, he's totally no fine. Doubt. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I you know, give him full reign to do whatever he wants. No doubt, but... but- uh, if if I'm going to be super critical of Braden, which sounds kind of unfair, I mean, I kind of want a little more than one for four with a solo home run. Yeah. Now, I know he can't control people being on base, but I don't know, man. I would take a home run and maybe a walk or two and a single, <laughs> you know, something else in those other bats. And hey, two doubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk. I'm not actually complaining about Braden. It's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? You heard it on the pod. But, yeah. Jacob has, has strong words yeah. for Braden Taylor. He's what's Jacob says he is what is wrong with this offense. Well, All right. So talking about the, we have we've got a long week ahead, uh, fellas. There's there's five games, which is kind of that's that's definitely a Texas Tech uh, scheduling deal where they 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 schedule a bunch of games, but hosting Abilene Christian and oh. Northwestern on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Kansas over the weekend. So is Dude. there something to Matt just kind of like flushing out a bad weekend and kind of getting started and having nothing else to do but play baseball, basically? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the best, the, 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 the cure for what you're searching for is to, is to get to the next game. You know what I mean? That's where you're going to find it. You're not going to find it in practice. You know, you're not going to find it in the cages. You're not going to find it in the bullpen. It's going to be in the games because that's where your confidence has to stem from. You know, I mean, uh, and for these guys, you know, having the opportunity to play five games in a week, I'm surprised that the Northwestern game is still on the schedule, given what's happened with their program uh, to start the season. I'm very shocked that that stayed on the schedule. Um, but you know, we need a 20 to one win, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's the other thing. Our schedule has been ridiculous and we need this easy game. We haven't really had one yet, except I mean, hell even UTA beat us. So I don't know. I mean, you look at at Abilene Christian, they're 16 and four on the year. Yeah. What? That's a good program (laughs) this year. (laughs) They're not not the pushover (laughs) that they usually, you know, that they have been in years past. They have a guy that, Throws it in there, other bullpen runs it in a hundred miles an hour. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the the unfortunate thing about TCU is that the midweek opponents in this area are usually not pushovers. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you don't get you don't get the the Arkansas Pine Bluffs every every week. You know, we take them when we get them, but you know, unfortunately, the ones in the Metroplex you're seeing it's just they're better and they're getting better, and so it's tough. But the beauty of that too is that you can gain a lot of confidence from those midweek games because they're not just pushovers and like we show up and we win the game unless we lose. <laughs> yeah. What was, so what were some of the text messages? So let's talk about that real quick, Jacob. What were some of the text messages we were sharing this week about? We've already lost a few midweek games. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. You got to win the remaining midweek games. Otherwise yeah. you're going to get screwed when it comes to regional selection yeah, yeah, yeah. and all so that. I stuff. have this handy. So Matt, I went back after Texas state and I looked at, 
okay, we know last year's midweight game game sucked. And, you know, it cost it. We won the freaking conference. It didn't host. And before we could really cry about it, we looked at our Tuesday schedule and saw we went seven and five. That's not going to get it done. But I'm like, all right, so we've hosted a lot in the recent past. Let's let's see. Um, let's see what we did in those midweek games. So starting in 2014, when we hosted the Supers, we went eight and three. 2015, 12 and two, and then on down, eight and two, nine and two, nine and three. Then in 2019, the last time we were a two seed, we were six and five. And then two years ago, we hosted the regionals. We were nine and one. Last year, seven and five. We were a two seed. Right now, we're two and two. But I looked at the schedule. We've already played DBU. We've already played um, Texas State. Now we play them again, but the rest of our games are against. We have two against Abilene Christian, which now Ray's making me scared of those games. We have another against UTA. We have Northwestern and then just kind of just garbage after that. So Lamar, UTRGV. Yes. Yes. Don't sleep on Lamar. Don't oh, sleep stop on Lamar. It. Just stop it. <laughs> they, the, the, that program can pitch and they will, uh, they will throw. All right. All right. So we're going to go. Have. Fine. We're going to go seven and seven in Tuesday nights then. And we're not going to make a regional there. No, but your point holds true. <laughs> I give is, up. Is, yeah, your point holds true is the midweeks are they're the the extra nudge that you need to get to hosting. Yeah. Like that's what you, you have to have that as your backbone of like, you know, because unfortunately with those, you know, a lot of them, the way that they are, they're not going to be quality losses. They're going to be bad ones mm-hmm. if you lose them. You know what I mean? They're not going to be great wins, but they're really going to be bad losses. And, you know, and we all know the RPI and I mean, you can, I can go on for a long time about the RPI and like how that plays into it. Um, But it's, you know, it's what you have to go by. And so, you know, like you said, you see all those years where success happens, midweeks have to be in your pocket. They have to be. I just still think that everything's out in front of this team. Even after a one and two weekend series, I want to believe that, after OU's slow start, we're going to look back at the end of the year and say, damn, they were pretty good, actually. Like, losing that series sucked, but it's not the end of the world like we thought it was at the time. I don't know. I'm just so I'm really, I'm honestly trying to be positive. What, what, so is the number one rule? Number one rule is don't get swept, right? In, in a conference series. Number yep. two, win the series you're supposed to. The Frogs should have won this series, even though it was an away series, but there's still seven conference series to go you know i, I think mean, it's just you're gonna have to make it up somewhere yep you know yeah, whether, that's, that's, uh, whether that's going to lubbock and winning two out of three instead yeah. of maybe winning one out of three hey they swept oklahoma state you know at in, in stillwater last year that was unexpected so you know yeah, they made like, up they made up for a lot well, like every time they got to a slump a, last year they made it up it wasn't a sweep last year that friday night game was rough oh that's uh, true we did, we oh, did win right. saturday and sunday sorry friday i guess was a little tough I guess winning the series was, was unexpected. Winning the no, series. No, we, we won yeah. five out of six against Tech and Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's the, sweep, right. the sweep of Tech. And that's the thing. is, And that's, that's why I say thinking. this weekend against Kansas is so important. Um, because, you know, in years past, I you know, that unfortunately, sometimes that third game against Kansas means something at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and we've seen both sides of it. So, you know, it, that's why I say this next two weekends, they, while it's super early, it really can set you up one way or the other for what's the rest of the season going to look like. If you're going to be chasing and trying to track down some teams, or if you're going to put yourself in a good position to be right where you want to be and how to control your own destiny. Boy. And I'll say another thing too, about this research I did, you know, it's one thing to win your Tuesday night games, but 2018, we were nine and three and we missed the postseason. So you, you better stay on top of your conference games. All right, so one of our last questions I'm going to address is from our guy Jeff Smith at JeffSmith75. He says, hey, guys, first time in a long time outside of Braden Taylor. What are we hanging our hats on? This team just can't seem to find a rhythm. We've talked about a lot, a lot of that, but I want to be optimistic. Help, to, help me be optimistic. So let's, uh, let's end the pod on saying one nice thing about the Frogs. Starting pitching. I'll take I'll take the I'll take the cookie there. That's the easy one, right? I'll let, I'll let Martin and Garrett come up with the hard stuff since – they haven't been on this pod much, but I'll take the easy one and I'll uh, I'll back off the mic. Carson Bowen. Garrett, what you got? Yeah, say no. I, just your your fans sitting on the couch having a beer. The starting pitching is, you know, that's the easy one, right? For Can't sure. Use that it's one. been great. 
I'm not going to use it, but it has been fun. You know, I, I've liked I like seeing Cam, um, I love seeing Becker, and that's been that's been great. And then obviously, um, what Bowen's been able to put together. I enjoyed watching Maxwell a lot during this series. I think it's that's been a lot of fun. It's been kind of cool to see him kind of lock things down for himself. Um, so that's definitely uh, in the winning column for me. But and then today, kind of taking advantage of the errors on the use side as well. So. There's lots to be excited about. I'm still maintaining my my sense of cautious optimism, but I agree these next couple of uh, weeks here are going to be, you know, real, real key in so far as the direction of where we're going. Yeah, for me, it's <clears throat> Luis Rodriguez. Now, he was my favorite freshman coming into this year. I think he's been plus out of the bullpen, a little shaky today, but I think the overall body of work has been really impressive. Yeah. Matt, what, what about you? What's one thing that you've liked watching this team hanging your hat on as the tweeter said? <laughs> I mean, I think what you have to like too, is you have to like to play from Trey coming okay. in, you know, as a transfer. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you don't know what you're going to get um, when you have that transfer, especially interconference transfer. Um, you know, the guy had success against us, but you don't know how it's going to translate when he gets over and replacing, you know, uh, you know, I think Gray was at that point a, a two or three year starter in that position. You know, that's sometimes, especially we know this, like up the middle of the field is the most important part of your baseball team. Like that's that's 100 um, percent, you know, so and, and being able to have a guy like that step in and have success like that's going to be something you're going to need um, long term, you know, with him and, and obviously with A.D. as well. Um, you know, I think right now you're looking at you're seeing as as A.D. and, and Braden go as, as the team goes. Um, and unfortunately, they got to make sure that they they continue to have success. Um, but I, I like what I'm seeing from Trey. I'm glad it's on our side, not the other side, because it was not fun scouting and, and trying to figure out how to get this guy yeah. out. Um, you know, but uh, I, I think there's a lot of growth that can happen in the next couple of weeks to where we can sit here, you know, and, and uh, you know, when we get towards the middle of April and go, hey, uh, you remember what we were talking about in March? Yeah, it's not there anymore. Yeah, and, and just to follow up on your point about, you know, the up-the-middle players, I want to see this offense – I want to see how this offense is performing as a whole once Eli is producing again. I think that is just such a major, major contributor that is really holding the whole offense back. So, And I have all the confidence in the world in Eli. Like, he's posting, like, career lows right now in his stats. <laughs> that's not going to stay the same. Like that, that's, that's going to regress back to, you know, what, what he's capable of. And then we're going to look up and we're going to see we're scoring six, seven, eight runs a game because Eli's going right. All right. I'm going to close out with two positive things about the frogs. Number okay. one, um, there's nobody that I enjoy watching more on the bases than Austin Davis. Absolutely. And he's just, he's a blast. Um, and number two, to translate that, his dancing got the announcers really upset. So I am I am just grateful for Chuck Lamondola and Connor Wanhanen because they're not bad at their jobs. They are, are not homers. Uh, they don't spend an entire Saturday debating if it's called the foul pole or the fair pole. Um, they don't say tabulate, you know, for, for the tablet that the coaches use to enter the pitches. So I'm just grateful for those play-by-play guys because they do a great job and, and they're not annoying AF. Um all right. Can I ask uh, one we, last question? I know uh, it's kind of a topic that uh, I want to pick Perk's mind on before we jump off. It's um, so we talked, you know, in years past about the freshman wall for hitters. And, you know, maybe we'll see that with Carson coming up. Don't know. Carson's been great. Is there a freshman wall, so to speak, for pitchers? Yeah, um, it definitely exists depending on what your role is. Um, you know, for a lot of these guys, they're coming from being starting pitchers where they threw once a week. And now they're being asked, you know, like Ben's being asked to pitch back to back days, multiple weekends in a row, that kind of stuff. So, so there's definitely a wall there of adjustment that you have to account for. Um, you know, and so it can happen. Um, you know, you kind of see it and, and it's one of those things where, um, you know, you have to be cognizant of how much you're getting the use from because these, like I said, these guys are not used to having a 60 game season, you know, and they're not used to pitching more than once a week and all that stuff and having all that rest and everything like that. So it's definitely out there. Um, but, you know, 
we always did a really good job of being very cognizant of how much they're throwing. Um, and I think the biggest thing that, that you have to do with these young pitchers is honestly, it's not their in-game throwing. It's their out-of-game throwing. Like they want to throw hard on Wednesday at practice. And you're like, dude, we don't care what you do on Wednesday at practice. Like <laughs> I need you to pitch on Friday and Sunday. I do not need to see your arm action or you long toss or do whatever, play burnout on Wednesdays. That does mean nothing. So really it's like trying to teach them that the days that they're not like in the games, that's when they've got to be uh, aware of how much they're throwing and how hard they're actually trying to throw. Cause I mean, they're just used to throwing as hard as they can and like trying to show off and all that stuff. And it's like, dude, like when we get to May, all this like early, early throwing you've done with, you know, with your catch partner, like you're going to be like, man, I'm feeling it now. And to build off of that, you know, we've really enjoyed Klecker and that Saturday role. He's been, he's been kind of a glue guy for this rotation, but he hasn't gotten a lot of strikeouts. Once more video gets out of him, uh, what adjustments is he going to have to make to counteract that? I think the biggest thing that you see is is he's got to he's got to finish at bats, whether it's swings and misses or balls in play. He's got to finish at bats earlier than he is right now, you know, because like with like with Saturday, there's a ton of times where you know he would get you know five, six, seven, eight, nine pitches into an at bat, right, and the and bat's not over, and that just that just adds up over time. So for him, yeah, like you said, the scouting report's going to get out there. You know, you kind of get some grace there early on, especially coming out of the bullpen. Teams don't, you know, pay attention as much. But now that you're in conference play and they know, hey, this is going to be the Saturday guy, you're going to start to see those adjustments. And so for him, it's really going to be about forcing the issue. You know, the rule is always, you know, you want the A-B over four pitches or less, one way or the other. Like, I don't care if it's a hit. I I really don't care because on average, you're going to get one hit an inning as a team. So if the first guy gets a hit on the second pitch of the inning, well, guess what? the next three guys probably aren't going to get a hit, you know? So like, but having that mindset and having that attitude of I'm going to finish ABs at four pitches or less, that's when you're going to get the strikeouts. That's when you're going to get the swings and misses. But it's when, you know, a lot of times these guys are chasing swings and misses from the OO pitch. Dude, I don't need them to, I, okay, great. If he swings and misses at the OO pitch, guess what? It's one. Like the, the bat's not over. You know what I mean? So it's trying to change their mindset to that of like, you've got to force this stuff to happen and you've got to force action um, and then the strikeouts and all that kind of stuff will come. But that's easier said than done because these kids, they all think strikeouts and homers are sexy. And so that's all they're trying to chase. Same. <laughs> Braden Taylor's a sexy beast. All right. We didn't get to all your questions, uh, but hopefully we'll address, you know, we address a lot of those concerns y'all have. I feel because, like we have a lot of make goods to do on questions. We yeah, need to kind of go back do, and but, scrub I mean, some old questions. The thing is, the questions that they had were concerns that we've been talking about the entire pod. So it's not yeah, that we didn't true. address them. Just, it's just that we didn't call them out by name. So, uh, but we can do do better at that. In the so next, if next you did round. write in and we didn't give you a shout out, that's our bad, but we hear you. That, that's my fault. I'll take it. I'll take it. We hear you. We hear you. Frogs are home all week. We got Tuesday and Wednesday games, and they're hosting Kansas this weekend. So come on out to Lupton. Uh, we will be there in attendance all week. Thanks, Matt, for joining us. We'll have you on in a couple weeks. Uh, let's get a couple more conference series in, and then we can talk about um, hopefully a positive trajectory for the Frogs. So uh, we'll see you all this week. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.